So welcome to all of you. This is uh, indeed a, a fascinating session. I'm looking forward to the insights, the learning, the wisdom that we will all share. And of course, mostly coming from Acharya Ji. Let me take this opportunity to welcome uh, Acharya Prashant, who is a powerful voice of socio-spiritual awakening in today's world. He's an acclaimed Vedanta exegete and author of over 80 books, including the national bestseller, Karma, Why Everything You Know About It Is Wrong. Fascinating title. An alumnus of IIT Delhi, IIM Ahmedabad, and a former civil services officer, he's an exponent of pure Vedantic wisdom, a vocal warrior against superstition and inner weakness, a promulgator of pure spiritual veganism and an expounder of essential human freedom. It is my great pleasure to welcome Acharya Ji and welcome all of you. Uh, Acharya Ji, it is such an honor and a pleasure to have you with us. And uh, if I might, if, I, if you don't mind, I might start off with the first question myself uh, to you. And that question is, you know, we are doing some teaching and research now, which is in a center, maybe the first of its kind, not only in India, but around the world. It is called the Center for Complexity Economics, Applied Spirituality and Public Policy. One of the big challenges that we as anyone else who is interested in making a link between applied spirituality and public policy will face is that spirituality traditionally has been something at the individual level. Individuals seek wisdom, learning, uh, awakening, call it enlightenment and so on. Public policy on the other hand, takes place at the societal level. It is in a collective, society is engaged. You know, policymakers are engaged, politicians are engaged. So the question then is how can we bridge the gap between spiritual awakening, spiritual wisdom, traditionally happening at individual level with the collective problems of public policy? Yes. Uh, thank you for the kind introduction. And I'm really glad to be participating here. And See, we are talking about spirituality and public policy here and the peculiar challenge we face. The first thing that uh, we see in spirituality is that there is hardly anything called the individual. So you said that it's the individual that seeks to learn, grow and awaken, whereas public policy is at the collective and social level. There's hardly anything called the individual. We all are simply products of influences. The 
biologically conditioned organism is born and then that organism gets further and further conditioned by what he experiences in the society. However, uh, there is an innate displeasure, a state of malcontentment. Because we are not merely mechanical or material. Therefore, being conditioned this way, doubly, biologically and socially, is not something we enjoy. So there is uh, an inner strife. And that's the reason why uh, all of us, most of us, are never quite at ease with ourselves and our surroundings and life in general. Because our, our fundamental nature is freedom, whereas our reality is that we are conditioned beings. So it's not really as if uh, uh, the person, the individual, himself is a, is a separate and powerful and entitled entity that would go on to seek learning, realization and freedom. Since we are products of influences, hence public policy is of utmost importance. I'm trying to turn the um, argument over its head. If people are to be encouraged to seek the truth of their lives, uh, live lives away from falseness and beliefs and superstitions and uh, spend their time in a liberated way, then the influences acting on them have to be very carefully exercised. Whether or not a person would have the urge towards awakening depends a lot on his environment. That's the reason why we have so many saints and seers and sages in India and uh, not that many, at least not densely packed in other parts of the world. It's not for nothing that uh, we talk of India as the spiritual capital of the world. It's got not much to do with the genes or something. It's got to do with the culture and the environment. And these are in the hands of policymakers and leaders and teachers. So we need to have, first of all, an education system, which comes very much in the purview of public policy, that encourages the student to go within himself. And that's got nothing to do with communal persuasions or particular ideologies or uh, religious beliefs. It's something extremely universal. We are human beings and there is the mind. And one must know from where do thoughts arise, feelings arise, identities arise. It's very similar at least in the beginning, to the field of psychology. Uh, 
So uh, there is nothing non-secular or partisan about it. Then if this thing goes uh, well enough and it's taught uh, nicely enough, then one comes to a point almost by himself where one realizes that the mind in itself is just a cage and therefore one uh, ought to be liberated. Hmm? That not, need not even be very strongly taught. If just the fact of our being, our life, can be exposed to us, a mirror can be shown to us, then we will be in a better state to live as uh, free-thinking individuals, broad-minded, less fearful, more tolerant. If we leave it just to the individual urge to gain freedom, then we'll have one in a million who'll have that kind of a strong urge all by himself to rise against the inner shackles and try something extraordinary. And that is the need of the hour, therefore it cannot be left to chance. We cannot say that spiritual awakening is something that happens purely by grace and there is no need for any kind of policy, policy measures, therefore. We need to have policy measures that encourage a certain inwardness. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have uh, governments that, uh, for example, encourage a certain kind of tourism hmm, just for pleasure, even in spiritual places. Obviously, you see, just an example to show that even taxation has a role here. Hmm. We have governments that in the, in the name of generating employment, uh, promote flesh consumption and atrocities over animals. It's not for nothing that as a society we are uh, turning more and more insensitive, cruel and uh, you see the temperatures are already uh, reaching 50 degrees uh, centigrade. So Unless the individual is awakened by means of right social environment and careful public policy, there would be very little chance. Right now the condition is such that even if we have a kid or a young person who biologically and luckily has a certain inward orientation, the culture tears him away from the inner dimension and pushes him outwards. If you have an education that is focused totally on developing your uh, marketable skills and earning your bread, how do you expect people to be self-aware? And if people are not self-aware, then there is no hope for humanity. This is really a fascinating uh, perspective, Acharyaji. Uh, very in interesting indeed. A quick follow-up, and then um, we let our other colleagues uh, engage with you as well. The <clears throat> we uh, spend quite a bit of time, you know, um, studying and uh, engaging with and developing insights from Advaita Vedanta ourselves. In fact, we have done a background research 
on the mystical core of uh, the world's religions. And we find similar teachings to Advaita Vedanta at the core of Christianity, the Sufism part of uh, Islam, Buddhism, Taoism, and so on. So we look at this as a kind of a, a clear essential truth. Not, not only is that the case when we look at the most recent research from quantum physics or cognitive neuroscience, the teachings are very similar, almost the same, you know, the primacy of consciousness and so on. So I take your point that truly speaking, we are not individuals per se, we share a collective consciousness, but because of our conditioning, we believe we are separate individuals. So <clears throat> then we end up with a chicken and egg problem because the policymakers tend to respond to the electorate in democracies at least. On the other, so if the electorate as individuals are not demanding, you know, the kind of public policies that are required for the enlightenment in a society, it's not likely we will get those policies. On the other hand, your argument is clear. If the public policies are not there, then it will not foster the environment in which people will become more enlightened. So we have a catch-22. How would you approach res resolving this? You see, that's uh, one of the perils of a democratic system. The leaders cannot be much more conscious than their voters. We need now some kind of a magic which we cannot actually rely on. If it happens, it happens. It's a matter of grace. And we just said that the probability that uh, someone would be awakened on his own, irrespective of the adverse social and cultural and educational environment, is one in a million. So the probability of that happening by itself is one in a million. The second thing that would happen if that does not happen is that there would be mass suffering. And that mass suffering would forcibly expose people to understanding that they are mistaken somewhere. The second route is obviously not preferable. But the first route is simply a function of prayers. We cannot do much about it. We will have to rely on certain extraordinary individuals to come up on their own. And then uh, not merely beg the electorate for votes pandering to their insecurities and fears and ignorance, but actually enlighten the electorate and lead them towards something meaningful. 
the kind of leaders that we currently have, they move behind their followers because they cannot afford to annoy their followers and the truth always carries the risk of irritating something or annoying something or somebody. Uh, I would... Uh, I would rather say that uh, those who who understand the urgency of the situation have to do as much as possible and the rest of the work will be done by the deteriorating global conditions so one and two work in will work in tandem on one hand we need individual enterprise to assert itself and do whatever it can so that at least a few examples are there so that when one is in a position where he has to look to the other side of the fence he does not see complete darkness he at least has a few role models or ideals so individuals must do whatever they can but I am afraid that a lot of work here is going to be done by mass suffering. We will, we will see the results of our misguided ways. The chicken will come home to roost and uh, you know, we will be forced to change. And if you are not forced to change, then obliteration of this species is not a mammoth uh, event in, in, let's say, cosmological terms. Species uh, have arrived and departed and uh, that's been happening since billions uh, of years. So if this particular species goes extinct, uh, that's nothing special. It's for the sake of our own... Uh, survival, continuation and welfare that we ought to wake up. Either we do it on our own or the grand cycle of Prakriti will simply run its course. This is amazing. I have a... I was trained originally as an environmental scientist and, uh, you know, when you refer to the extinction of species, I. Myself made that observation about 30 years ago that uh, if we continue along this path, we are just, we're not going to change the world. We will just change the conditions under which humans are able to survive yeah. and the species will go. Um, and uh, you have come to the same conclusion. This is quite uh, amazing. 